I really like Christopher Nolan movies. Uh, maybe you've seen some of them, like Interstellar, um, uh, Inception. This last year, he he put out Dunkirk, a uh, World War II film. Uh, I just I really like his his work. But the the series of movies that he put out that put his name into my into my brain and onto the lips of many of mainstream audiences was the Batman trilogy series, his Dark Knight series. And a lot of people really liked. It, it, he kind of revamped the whole entire comic book you know, movie genre. Uh, it was before Marvel really was pumping out a lot of their stuff. And is back, you know, when Batman was kind of a really campy movie. Now it kind of has some gravitas. It had some seriousness to it. And a lot of people really liked how Christopher Nolan, uh, you know, portrayed Batman as, as this very flawed individual with very normal emotions. And I think that just kind of drew people in, that he wasn't like this above everyone else type of character, that even though he was super, super wealthy, he kind of saw he was just a regular guy. He just happened to have a gazillion dollars to buy really expensive toys to fight the bad guys. Um, but as I watched it, I realized that what Christopher Nolan did was he didn't just revamp kind of the superhero movie or, or kind of recapture a you know, comic book. What he did was he told a story and it was really a story about revenge. If you think about it, in Batman Begins, little young Bruce Wayne ends up developing a fear of bats because of an accident that happened in a well. Well, his wealthy family takes him to the opera. And while in the opera, there was this scene where it reminisced bats. And it scared Bruce. And Bruce with his, starts having an anxiety attack. And he turns to his dad. And his dad, who loves him and honors him, says, all right, let's go. And so the Wayne family gets up and leaves. Well, rather than cause a scene, they slip out a back door into an alley where there happens to be a criminal. And he sees these really fancy tuxes and thinks, money. So he starts trying to steal their jewelry, their money, and he's got a gun. And he accidentally ends up shooting Bruce's mom. And in a panic, he then turns and shoots Bruce's dad, leaving young Bruce there in the alley overlooking his dead parents. And so the movie is all about Bruce growing up with this inner anger and how he wants revenge. And so because it was crime who took his parents, he wants revenge upon criminals. And thus he becomes Batman. The very thing that caused fear in him, he wants that to cause fear in others. You may not have a gazillion dollars in order to fight the bad guys, but I can guarantee that inside of you is a Batman. For instance, have you ever had someone maybe like a boyfriend, a girlfriend, end the relationship and it made you mad. You wanted revenge. Or maybe a friend wouldn't give you a certain toy or they had something and, and they wouldn't share. You got really mad at them. You wanted revenge. Maybe your job won't give you a raise. Maybe they won't give you the promotion. Maybe they actually fired you. And inside, you just want to react. Your inner Batman wants revenge. Or, like I see on Twitter all over the place, some company treated you badly. Whether they wouldn't honor the warranty or they just mistreated you as a customer. And so you go on and use, you use their Twitter handle to just flame them. Because Batman's getting revenge. Now, I realize none of you have these sort of emotions, okay? But you have friends that do, all right? So we're, we're, we're talking about them. We're talking about these friends that you have. That means that your friends have an inner Batman. I wish I could say that Batman only existed in the workplace or at school or out in the playgrounds. Uh, unfortunately, Batman also exists in the church. I could tell you story after story 
of Batmans who didn't have enough Batman songs. And so they got mad, and their way to get revenge was to just storm out of church to never to return. I've known of Batmans that didn't like a decision that church leadership made. And so they sought to overthrow the pastor or, or get rid of a certain elder. Or sometimes Batman is, has a crusade that he's on, and yet the church doesn't quite have the same passion that Batman does. So Batman tries to loudly shame the church and even question their faith. Batman wants revenge. And it doesn't matter if it's in a church relationship or in a romantic relationship or in a work relationship or a school relationship. When we get hurt, our inner Batman often wants revenge. And yet, I think all of us long for deep, healthy emotions. We, I mean, sorry, deep, healthy relationships. We want these things in it. Even in the Batman series where, you know, Bruce loses his parents, you can still see his longing for good, healthy relationships. His childhood friend, Rachel Dawes, in the first two movies, you can tell he has feelings for her. He has affections. He wants this relationship so that he'll feel loved. He'll feel valued. He'll feel like he matters. And you feel the same way. You want someone to truly love you. But I'm going to be honest For you to have this kind of relationship, it's going to require your Batman to die. Because you need Batman to die so that the love of Christ can come up within you. I'm going to warn you. Today's message is going to confront your inner Batman. How do I know? Because my Batman has taken a beating this week. I have discovered as I studied Romans 12, 9 through 21, that I struggle with these emotions more than I thought I did. These things are more prevalent on my mind and heart than I want to admit. This week, I've had some memories come up when I realized I acted more like Batman than I did like Jesus. And so there's a big part of me that does not want to teach this today. Because I do not want to be the one to bring the spiritual punch to your spiritual gut. I I don't want you to go through some of what I went through this week. And yet, while I was beat up this week, I'm excited to teach this. Because this passage has the potential to radically change your relationships. It, It can help you get to those healthy relationships. But again, as we're going to see, if you let your inner Batman live, you're not going to be able to do it. And so Batman has to die so that Christ can rise within you. And to help kill your Batman, God gives us Romans 12, 9 through 21. So here's what I want to do. I want to read this passage in its entirety. And I'm going to invite you to keep your scriptures, your Bibles closed. All right, so phones off, Bibles closed. And if you want, you can even close your eyes. I just want you to hear this in its entirety. And then after we've heard it, We're going to pray, all right? So let me read aloud as you just listen. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. 
Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but to give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So Heavenly Father, as we uh, get ready to study this, we pray that you would be the one to open our hearts and our minds to what you want us to hear and how you want to change us. And so, Father, I pray right now that you would help us to be willing to let you beat us up, to confront us, that if there are certain attitudes, emotions going on within us that are, are damaging relationships, that today you would do what you need to do, perform your spiritual surgery in us so that we become more and more like Jesus, so that we can love like Jesus loved. God, we want healthy relationships at home, at work, here at Riverwood. So help us to hear this and help us to be willing to be able to confess and admit, I fall short in this area. God, will you help me? And we thank you that through your Holy Spirit, through the gospel, you will help us. And so help us also today to not just walk out of here feeling beat up, but to walk out with hope, realizing that, that you will win so that we can experience these relationships you're calling us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so now, if you brought a Bible, whether a paper or digital, go ahead and open it up to Romans chapter 12. Uh, if you're a first-time guest with us uh, and you don't own a Bible, we encourage you to stop by the Give and Grow table. We've got paper copies back there. We've got two different translations. We'd love to get the translation that would fit you because uh, we want it to not just be a Sunday Bible. We want it to be your everyday Bible. And So we encourage you to take that. If you've got a smartphone too, download. There's several free versions out there. Uh, we recommend the YouVersion Bible app um, because it's got multiple translations. Also, some people like to learn through, uh, you know, orally and so there's audio Bibles on there as well and, and a few other uh, tools. So we encourage you, get a Bible and get into it regularly, daily. Uh, as you're turning to the book of Romans, um, we are in the second week of a series called And Jesus. What we're doing is we're walking through Romans 12 through 15, and we're seeing all these various areas that the Apostle Paul talks about in these four chapters. And we're looking at how Paul brings Jesus into the conversation, that it isn't just some area of life over here, but like Jesus is to infiltrate all of these areas of life. And so we're looking at what does it look like to let Jesus really be at the center of these areas. And today we're looking at relationships. Now today we're going to look at relationships kind of in, in 
totality, uh, all of our relationships. Next week, because we're doing Compassion International, we're going to talk about parenting. So we're going to use this exact same passage, plus some other scripture passages, to dig deeper into the topic of parenting. And then in two weeks, we're going to dig deeper into romantic relationships, primarily marriage. And so we're going to use this, again, this exact same passage out of Romans to help drive us to see that. But today, we're just going to kind of look at this overarching view of relationships. All right? And it jumps right in there at verse 9. Paul starts off with this. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Any of you ever bought the off-brand because it was just a little bit cheaper? Okay, good. I'm not alone. I always get suckered into it all the time. Now, sometimes it works out. Sometimes I actually get the better deal. But sometimes you buy the off-brand and it doesn't last as long. It actually ends up breaking sooner than if you'd brought kind of the, the you know, original product. And so you end up spending more money in the end because you went the cheap route. That's why some companies, when they put out their product, they call it genuine. They like put a stamp on it. This is the genuine thing. It's not a knockoff. None of us want knockoff love. Not, none of us want to be in relationship with people who fake it towards us. We want the real thing. We want genuine love. We want to know that we're valued. We want to know that we matter. So if that's the kind of love we want, why would we not give genuine love? But we do it all the time. We pretend to love people. I can guarantee right now, there are churches all over this country that are meeting and when their worship gathering is done, some people are going to stand up and this conversation is going to happen at least once somewhere in this nation. Hey, how you doing? How was your week? Everything going great? Okay, glad we could connect. See you later. Turns walk out. All of a sudden the husband leans over. Who was that? Happens all the time. They put on the fake like, oh, I'm so good to see you. Glad you're doing great. And then they walk out and they won't even think about that person until they just happen to run into him again in a few weeks back at church. We fake love all the time. And Paul is saying, don't. If you want healthy relationships, let your love be genuine. Give the real thing. And what we're going to see here is Paul's talking about all of our relationships. So when you look at some relationships in your life, whether it be, you know, like your spouse, your kid, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, your parents— those relationships, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll let love be genuine there. But no, he's saying, uh-uh, this is for all relationships. And he even begins to help define this. Let love be genuine. He defines it a little bit more in verse 10. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love that, and yet I hate it at the same time. It's like he reduces love to a competition. But think about it. If you got into a competition where someone's trying to outdo you in love, and so you're going to outdo them, how much fun would that be? Like, you're showing honor to them, and suddenly they say something really nice about you. You're like, whoa, nuh-uh, they're not going to outdo me. I'm going to say something nice and give them a gift. And then they return the favor. You're like, oh, okay, okay, I got to step it up. All right, I know I'm going to publish something in the newspaper. Like, I'm going to stand on the rooftops. Like, I'm going to shower them with cards. I'm going to do everything I can to outdo them with honor. Man, your marriage would be a blast. Your, your kids are just going to think you're the world's greatest parent in the world. Well, they already think that, but you know what I mean. It would change your work relationships. I mean, if you just go about trying to outdo one another in honor, this sounds great, doesn't it? Until someone doesn't act in an honorable way. Until they say something kind of jerkish. 
They, they do something that you're, it makes you cringe. They, they tell a joke that you're just like, ah, that's, that's not funny. That's not appropriate. Now suddenly it, it's not so easy. It's easy to give love to someone who you get along with really well, but what, what about your demanding boss? What, what about that kid in the neighborhood or at school who just is an absolute jerk or a bully or just disobedient all the time? How do you show honor to them? Suddenly, as you start hearing what Paul's saying, and you start really thinking this through, you start realizing this is hard. <laughs> but Paul's not done. Like I said, he's out to beat us up. Skip down to verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Okay, now it's getting harder. It's easy to bless someone who's really nice in return. When, if we're trying, getting in a game where we're going to outdo each other with honor, okay, yeah, that's fun. Let's go for it. But to bless someone who persecutes me, to bless someone who mocks me, to bless someone who discriminates me because I'm a girl or I'm a guy or because of my skin color, because of my income level, or because I don't listen to the exact same type of music as them, or I don't drive the certain kind of car, or my house isn't quite as big, or I don't have all this stuff. How in the world are we supposed to bless these people? This is starting to sound really, really hard. Because I'll be honest. When someone says something unflattering about me, I do not want to bless them. My inner Batman wants revenge. But Paul flat out says, sorry, if you're going to love like Jesus, you can't. Look down at verse 17. He says, repay no one evil for evil, but, be good, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if that's not plain enough, look down at verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Sorry, you can't let Batman out. You can't let him win. You can't let him fight. You cannot seek revenge. Because if you are, you're showing you're living in the flesh and you're not living out the life in Christ. This is impossible. So how's that for a nice, encouraging message for your Sunday morning? You come into church, you're told, hey, you got to love, let your love be genuine. Oh, but it's, it's impossible. Now, I, I know some of you because you're going to be like me. You're, you're going to hear this and you're thinking, no, this is what God calls me to. I can do it. I can do it. I'm going to let my love be genuine. I'm going to outdo and honor. I'm going to bless others. I, I can do this. And you'll probably make it through lunch. Okay, maybe you're better than I. You'll get through Monday. Let's even pretend you are truly a superhero and you make it all the way to the end of the month. You can't do it forever though. You will fail. Batman will come out and you will have some sort of reaction, even if it's just in your heart. And you won't be able to enjoy the relationship like you crave the relationship. So what do we do? Let me illustrate with cups. All right, I have here a pitcher of water and a cup and some towels because I'm about to make a mess. All right, so the cup represents you. Psalm 23, 5 says, my cup overflows. All of us long to have our cup overflowed. We would love to have love, joy, peace pouring in. 
We want to be so filled up that we are overflowing into others. That's what each of us craves. That's what we long for. It's why we get married. We want that person to pour into us. As we have kids and the joy that they bring us, that pours in. That's why we have friendships at school and we love hanging out with them and that pours more into us. But there's a problem. The problem is sin. Sin. If I can actually do this. Okay, Carrie, you are clearly more gifted than I. She tested this out for me. There we go. All right. The problem is sin. Sin has poked holes into us. So that as people pour into us, everything just leaks out. Now what happens is when everything leaks out, we start getting worried. We start getting concerned because we want to be filled. And so now instead of really truly loving our spouse, we go into that relationship looking for what we can get from it. And it's no longer about truly loving them. It's about getting. It becomes about me because my cup's not getting full. I'm not overflowing. We start using friendships for what we can get from it. We do the same in our work relationships. We are constantly grabbing, clinging, trying to get because we want to fill our cup. But the more we pour in, the more it just leaks out. So what do we do? That's where we need Jesus. The whole cup. Because when we place our faith in Christ, and we let him be our identity, his righteousness surrounds us. The sin is there, but now it's being healed. Now it's being purified. So that when Christ pours into us, and all that we get, it stays, and it starts to overflow. Plus, this changes things. When... When we start realizing that, yeah, God can use your spouse. He can use your friends. He can use your parents. He can use your kids. But what if your spouse isn't acting very loving? What if your kids are being disobedient? What if mom or dad have had a bad day at work and they they say something kind of cruel? You don't have to panic. You don't have to seek to get revenge. Because Christ is pouring all the love you need into you. That's what the cross is all about. That if your eyes are on Jesus and the cross, you see the extravagant love that God has for you. And so because you know you are fully loved, you are more loved than you could ever imagine, you don't have to panic when someone is rude and cruel, when they persecute, when they mock you, you can still bless because you are getting a blessing from God. When you start worrying that you're not receiving honor, like it's really hard to honor someone who's not being honorable, I don't want to outdo them in honor because, man, they're, ugh. No, God has given you all the honor that you need. You are worth so much that Jesus died for you. You have value because the image of God is within you. God has already therefore given you all the honor that you need. And so therefore, because you are honored, you can go and honor others, even if they're not acting honorable. But it means Batman has to die And you slide into Christ. And he becomes your identity. He becomes your shield. He becomes your righteousness. And it becomes all about him. And then you let him pour these things into your life. And then you'll become overflowing. And you will actually be overflowing into others. But it means an absolute radical change. It doesn't become about you in these relationships. It becomes about Jesus in these relationships. 
Because when you keep Jesus at the center, whether it is your marriage or your parenting or at work or out with your friends at school or on the athletic fields, when it's about Jesus, you're able to then let your love be genuine. You are able to outdo them in giving honor. You are able to bless them. You are able to not repay evil for evil. But instead, you can overcome evil with good because it's the power of the Holy Spirit working within you. I told you, this passage has the potential to radically alter your relationships. But it means you have to let God kill your inner Batman so that he can raise Christ up within you. So that then you can go and love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. And when you let this be your story, it changes your work relationships, your family relationships, your, your just friends. It can change all of them. And it can change your church. I'm so grateful that I can teach this without having a war- bunch of politics going on. I like that I'm able to teach this next part to a healthy church, one that is going in the right direction and not make people feel like I'm trying to correct things. But right now, there are people all over this country who are approaching church for what they can get from it. It is all about, do I like the music? Do I like the way the pastor preaches? Do I like the certain things? Can I wear these certain things? And it becomes all about me. And they approach church like a holy cup. That sounded funny. That didn't come out like I wanted it to. Oh, well. You know what I meant. They're going in. And it's, what can I get from this? And then they're not satisfied. Because they didn't sing enough contemporary songs. They sang too many old ones. You know, like the really old ones from 1996. You know, or they, they sang way too many of the, the new ones. I wish they would do some of the really good old ones, like from 1996. You know, like we, we complain. Like I didn't like that the past wore jeans or I didn't like that he didn't wear jeans. I didn't like that they, you know, don't have their own building. I didn't like that they had their own building. I didn't like, I didn't like, I didn't like. And then when the church does certain things, Batman starts to rise up going, no. And usually what it means is people leave in a huff. That's their way to get revenge. Well, they're not getting my money. They're not getting my presence. They're not going to let, I'm not going to help them anymore. And instead, the church should be this place where because of the gospel, we lean in to each other. We love each other. And when something tough comes up, we seek to honor We seek to bless. We seek to understand. And so that means if we see our brother or sister in Jesus not acting in a Christ-honoring way, we go to them in love. We seek to help them because they're showing, I still have holes in my cup. And we need to remind them, here's what Jesus can do for you. And help bring that gospel to heal those holes, to fill them up so that they can return back to overflowing. That's what the church should do. It means we've got to be there for each other and let this gospel message utterly change how we do church. Riverwood, please don't let Riverwood just become an American church. Please. Don't just play the game. Let's be the church. Because there's a world out there that is hurting. They're filled with holes and they need this gospel to come and to seal those up. And if we become a typical American church, we come in, put in our time, have some political infighting, and then we all leave, 
we were not going to change this world like God wants us to. And Satan would love to come in and destroy this church from the inside out. But as long as we stay committed, our eyes are on Jesus, we will become the healthiest church we've ever experienced. And it will be the type of church when years from now, we'll be telling our grandkids, I remember when. And they'll ask, but what was it? What was it? And as we think back, we'll think, it was Jesus. If we are a Jesus-centered people, we will be a Jesus-centered church. And together, we won't just be a bunch of individuals loving like Jesus loved and living like Jesus lived. Collectively, together, we will do it. And it won't matter if we set up in a gymnasium or if we kind of have our own little spot. We've got to remind ourselves that church is not about this event right here. Church is about going out there. This is the reminder for us to collectively worship God, to remember what Jesus has done for us, so we would be fueled up to go and make a difference. And so, let's practice right here. Let's let our love be genuine within this church family. Let us outdo one another in giving honor. Let us not repay evil for evil, but let's overcome evil with good. Let us bless one another. Because if we can practice and do that right here within a church family, it makes it so much easier when we get out there. This is our training ground so that we can accomplish what God has called us to do so that we will go and be a blessing. So Father, I pray that you would help us to have our identity rest within Jesus. God, we want to just confess right now, we are poor. We are filled with holes. We leak all over the place. We have inner Batmans that are selfish and want our own way. And so, God, we right now just confess that to you. And we just say, thank you, Jesus, for coming, for dying on the cross to pay for these sins and to fill our holes. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Just come in to dwell within us and help us to overflow. May we overflow with the fruit of the Spirit. May we be filled with love and joy and peace and patience and all of them so that those around us will feel blessed, they will feel loved, they will feel honored. God, make us that kind of church. Make us that kind of people. And so right now, Father, I pray for anyone here who does not know you, that they would put their faith in Christ. They would realize that Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of their sins, and he is wanting to fill those holes so that you, God, can pour into them so that they will overflow into others. And so, Father, I pray that right now you would hear their prayer as they confess that sin, as they place their faith in you, and they make you the center of their life. And Lord, I pray for anyone here that already knows you, but they're feeling convicted. They've realized that they've had some emotions coming up. They are, they are not forgiving certain people. There, there are um, certain people that are really, really difficult to work with, and they're feeling some guilt. God, I pray that they would have that guilt washed away by you, and instead they would feel called they would feel a genuine love. God, I, I pray that you would replace our eyes with your eyes, that we would see the people around us the way you see them, and that then we would love them genuinely, and we would honor them and bless them, and we would extend them grace just like you have given us grace. And so, Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to let you do what only you can do, to knock out our inner Batman so that the image of Christ would rise within us and we can be a blessing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.